Good morning. Well, I love those songs, and I love that last song particularly. I, I just love that understanding of the Lord passing by, and this can be your day that have a visitation with the Lord. I think that that can mean when you first come to realize who Jesus is, but I think that can mean every single day, every hour, when you can have a special touch from Jesus. So I'm excited about the message that we have today. So we're going to continue. We've been in John, the Gospel John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And uh, so if you'll turn with me to page 1221. We've been studying in John for the last couple of weeks. And John is writing in a way to say something very specific to the readers. And in fact, while you're turning to that page, I will read from the very end of John. I want to share with you, we've talked about this before, but in chapter 20 of John, verse 31, you don't have to turn there, but John kind of tells us why he's writing this book, this gospel. By the way, you remember, gospel means good news. So why he's writing the good news to the people. He, he says in verse 31, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So Jesus' I'm sorry, John's purpose is writing that we might believe. And in this place of believing that we might have life. So that's his whole purpose of writing this gospel. And a few weeks ago, we saw that God, uh, I'm sorry, that John began to establish who Jesus was in the very first part of the very first chapter. And he says, Jesus is the word. And this word in the Greek, you remember, is logos. And Logos is the very essence of who God is. It's his every thought, his every idea. It's all of God. It's his perfect plan. And so John is helping us to understand who Jesus is. He is the perfect plan of who God intends and what God intends and what purpose he has. His full plan. So we see that, and then he comes along last week, and, and John begins to help us to understand about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came, if you look in your Bibles on page 1221, right there in verse 23, it says, John the Baptist says, I came, he says, the, as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. So John was coming in preparation for the one who was to come. And then if you read on down a little bit, we see John the Baptist, he's out here baptizing and uh, and people are coming out to being baptized and then all of a sudden Jesus in verse 29 comes and John saw Jesus coming. And he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. So we see that John is establishing right from the very beginning 
that Jesus is the word. He is the plan. Then we see that John is writing about John the Baptist and it is revealed that Jesus is the lamb, God's perfect lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So John is helping us understand who Jesus is. Today we're going to look a little further and see what he has for us in this next understanding of who Jesus is. So let's start in Let's start in verse um, 32. And um, it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. So when John baptized Jesus, the very understanding that God had placed in John's heart is when you see the Spirit a land on him, you'll know he is the Lamb of God. And so he knew that this was God's perfect plan, his lamb, because he saw the dove descending and it landed on him and it remained. Verse 33 says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified, this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So he has two disciples that have been following John. And he's talking to them. And he's just reinforcing. I think he's probably saying this just out of being overwhelmed that God's perfect lamb, he's been able to witness. Verse 37 says, The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. This is exactly what John was wanting to happen. He was encouraging them by just relaying this understanding to them. This is the lamb. And so they heard John speaking, and they began to follow Jesus. They're, they're trying to figure this out. And so verse 38 says, Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? What do you seek? I believe that's our title for today's message, is what do you seek? Why are you here today? What caused you to want to be here? What are you seeking? I think this is a question for us each and every day, not just when we come to church, but when we get up every day. What is it that we want? So Jesus asked them this very question, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher. So basically, they're saying, teacher. And then they say, where are you staying? You see, I don't think they understood exactly what all of this meant just yet. But they're interested enough that they want to go and see more. They want more. Verse 39 says, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. 
which is probably around 4 o'clock, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon, and he said to him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And so he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was, with, was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's like, um, not much happens over there in that town. Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So, these first two disciples begin to follow Jesus, and they're interested to see who he is further. But the more they come and see who he is, just being with him just a short time, they begin to realize he's the one that the prophets wrote about. So I want you to put your marker here. We're going to come back to this page, but we're going to look at several other places as well. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 18. It's on page 223. So I want you to know a little bit about what's happening in Deuteronomy. And um, as you remember, the children of Israel had been in captivity in Egypt and Moses was sent to bring them out, excuse me, sent to bring them out of Egypt, out of their captivity. So Moses brings them out of captivity. They are in the wilderness just not too long, and God brings them to Mount Sinai, and he gives Moses his laws and his ways for them to follow. And so Moses has come down. He's given them the laws to help them to understand, and they're beginning to walk in the ways of of the Lord. But one of the things that Moses says to them in verse 18 
So chapter 18, verse 18, it says, I will raise up, uh, no, let's start in 17 because it's, the Lord is speaking here. He says, and the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in their mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. All that he commands is going to come through a prophet. And uh, I want you to look up verse four, above that verse 15. It says, again, the Lord is speaking here. And he says, uh, Moses is saying to the children what the Lord has given him. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from the brethren, him you shall hear. So God is saying, I'm going to raise up a prophet from among you and I'm going to put my words in his mouth. Is that not what John was saying to us, the writer of John, he, when he says the word? He was saying Jesus is the word. He is the very words of God. So God is telling Moses to tell the people. And then he says in verse 15, I want to read this again because this hinges, all our message today hinges on this understanding. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, a prophet like Moses, one that would deliver them out of captivity. One that would be walking in the authority of what God was doing. In his perfect plan. That was the picture that was in Moses bringing the children out of captivity into freedom. Into God's plan. Into God's purpose. And so he's saying that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like this. A prophet like Moses from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. So now if we turn back to your marker, we see that John is saying, this is who this is. This is him. He's the word. He is the one. He is the lamb. He is the plan. He's helping us understand this all the way through. Then he comes over here to these two disciples, and, and we begin to see. They call out, and they said, Rabbi, teacher. So in the very beginning, they're looking at him and saying, you are a teacher of God's, of God's plan, of God's word. But then they come and they are with him just a short time. And the next thing that we find in verse 41, it says, he first found his brother Simon and he said to him, we have found the Messiah. The one that has been written about by the prophets the one that Moses was talking about, because they understood so much more clearly sometimes than we do, that this prophet was going to be the Messiah. The one that would bring them in under God's authority into a new kingdom where there would be a place where God would reign and not under other 
Babylon or Roman authority or anybody else over them, but rather they would be under God's authority. He would be the prophet. He would be the one bringing them. So they recognize real quickly that he's the Messiah. And then uh, they go and tell their brother and bring him and say, come and, and you will see. And then it goes on down, and then they bring uh, Nathanael. In verse 45, we read this, where Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found the one of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote off. That's what he's saying. We found this one. That Moses said, you know, watch for this one. And him, he's going to have the very words of God in his mouth, and you will follow him. And then Jesus comes to, uh, he's, Nathaniel comes to Jesus and uh, Jesus tells him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. In other words, Jesus looked into Nathaniel's heart. He knew exactly who he was. And he says, You're not one who deceives people. And Nathanael is surprised by this. In verse 48, it says, Nathanael says to him, how do you know me? So this is surprising him. But Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, teacher. Now listen, he goes beyond just a teacher. Now he says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He saw him in a new way. He saw more of him than just a teacher. He saw him more than just a prophet. He saw him as the prophet, the one that Moses wrote about. He saw him as the son of God. He saw him as the king of Israel, the Messiah, the one that is to come. And if you turn the page, Jesus says, you know, yes, just because uh, I told you you were under a tree. He says, oh, my goodness, there's going to be a lot more to come than that. And then he says in verse 51, he says, you're going to see the, the heavens open up. And you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending. Jesus is speaking to him about something he knows very clearly. And that is the story of Jacob. And how Jacob went to sleep and he put his head on a pillow and he had a dream. And there was this ladder where the angels were descending and ascending to the very heavens. And Jesus is saying, I'm that ladder. I'm the one that opens up the heavens. You're going to see. So they began to un have some understanding of who Jesus was. The thing I want you to see here is all of this began in this very place of them following. Beginning to come and beginning to follow. Then it began to make sense to them and it began to enlarge to them. We have to make a decision if we're interested, what, we, what are we really seeking? What do we want? Are we willing to come and follow? Are we willing to see what's there? So I want to I take you to a couple of scriptures. So turn with me to Matthew 28, 18, verse 18. It's on page 1150.
Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not go there. Let's go to Matthew 4, 18. Let's go there. Page 1114. While you're turning there, I want to tell you a little bit about the, the rabbis that I think helps us to understand what Jesus was saying when he began to talk to these people. And they were saying, Rabbi, teacher. A rabbi, a good understanding for that is teacher. A one that teaches the law, though not just a teacher of anything, but one that teaches God's laws and the things that would be applicable, how to use God's laws in everyday life. And uh, so the people that would follow the rabbis were called Talmudim. And many years ago, Raj and I listened to a uh, teacher, Ray Vandalon, and he taught about the rabbis and about the Talmudim. And one of the things he said is that the Talmudine would follow so closely to the rabbi because they wanted to hear every word the rabbi said. They would follow so closely that they, it was said that the dust from the rabbi, from his feet, would blow up and, and get on those that were following because they were so close. So he's walking along. They're so close right here that they wanted the dust to just fall upon them. And he talked about how Jesus was a, a rabbi and the followers would come so close that the dust of the rabbi would fall upon them. They were that close. They wanted to hear every word that was said. They wanted to come. They wanted to hear. So I want you to listen to these things as we're coming along here. Because he's saying in verse uh, four, chapter 4 verse 18 it says Jesus is walking by the sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers Simon Peter and Andrew his brothers casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen then he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men follow me so as they're coming along, as they've learned a little bit who he is, he comes to them now, they're out here fishing, and he just says, listen, leave where you are, leave all of that, and come and follow me. And so they do. They leave, as you read on down in verse 20, it says they immediately left their nets and followed him. So they immediately left and followed him. Now look at Matthew 9, 9. So turn just a few pages over. It says in verse 9, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So now he goes to somebody else, Matthew, and he says, follow me. And then it says, and it, so he arose and followed him. Now turn with me to, um, let's see, we, we read the one in John where he called Philip and he said, follow me. 
Now I want you to turn to Mark 10. It's on page 1165. Mark 10, verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father, your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from, your, from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, I love that. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he tells him the truth. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, take up your cross, and follow me. The Bible uses this term, follow me, in the Gospels 58 times. 58 times. In four books, it is said, Jesus is saying, follow me. We're going to come back to this a little bit later, but I want you to turn now to that Matthew 28. Oh, I'm sorry, it's on page 1150. This is very familiar to us. We've read this scripture many times. It's after Jesus has been crucified and in his last messages with his disciples, he gives them this understanding, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in this place, Jesus is saying, go and make disciples. What I want you to know is this word disciple. What does it mean? Because we see that Jesus is gathering his disciples to follow him. So a disciple can mean one that is a, a pupil, one that is learning. But I love this. It means a follower. So what Jesus is saying to come and follow me is, is exactly what he's telling them. Now you go out and you make people who follow Jesus. And of course, that's what he would be saying when he says, go and therefore make followers of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's saying, immersing them in who 
the Father is, immersing them in who the Son is and immersing them in who the Holy Spirit is, teaching them to observe all things. You see, Jesus is a prophet, a rabbi, and he's teaching his followers to teach others how to follow him as well. In this place of following and being a follower, it has come to my mind many times and what we want to continue to look at today is where is he leading you? Where are we following to? What does it mean to be following? Because I see that this is a term that Jesus is using over and over and over again. What is he really wanting us here to hear out of this today? And I love this. He showed me this many years ago. But as I began to study and, and be refreshed in this place, he so brought this back to me. And he said, remember, this is where, where we're going. This is what I'm trying to tell you. He says, there are two kingdoms. And I'm asking you to follow me out of this kingdom into this kingdom. The first kingdom you're born into, you're born into sin. You're born into Satan's kingdom. He rules this world. He has authority in this kingdom. I was writing down a few things about this kingdom and the enemy's kingdom, and, and I wrote down that he holds us in captivity. He spiritually blinds us. He brings disease. He brings destruction. And he brings death. This is where you are. This is where each one of these people were. This is where Andrew was. This is where Simon was. This is where Peter was. And this is where the man we just read about was and that was keeping all of God's laws. But he had not come to the fullness yet. There was things that were still holding him captive. Things that he wouldn't let go of yet. And Jesus comes to him and he says, listen, you have, I hear that you're doing all kinds of good things. And that's the same place that we find ourselves sometimes. We go, but I'm doing a lot of good things. I'm a good person. And so many times this world gets lost in that understanding because I see people all the time and they are good people. They are doing good things. They probably are even doing many of the things of God's laws. They are not stealing. They're not in adultery. They're loving to people around them. They're doing many good things. But they don't recognize where they are. They are in the enemy's camp. 
and they will remain in the enemy's camp until they hear the voice of the Lord say, come and follow me. And they choose to follow him. I believe the Lord is speaking to us all the time. He called me many, many times before I followed him. I know he did. Because just as he was talking to this, this one man that was saying, I follow all the laws and I do all these things. And it says, and Jesus in love was honest with him and say, yes, but here. But in this place, you're still in sin. In the place that you're in, you're still in darkness. We all have places that are not perfect. And we want to lean on that and say, well, nobody else is. The question here today is not whether you're a good person, not whether you feel like you're almost perfect person. The question here today is whether or not you have chosen to follow Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Following his laws come after you begin to follow him. The other man was following the laws, but not following Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? And it sounds right, and it sounds good. But it leaves you in captivity. It leaves you in the enemy's camp. Moses came to the children of Israel. They were in captivity. They knew they were in captivity. They saw the destruction all around them. And Moses came and said, follow me out of here into another land. That's the call that Jesus makes to each disciple. That's the call that he makes to us today. Disciples, followers. The question is, are you a disciple? Are you a follower? Sometimes people go, well, I believe in Jesus. And we've talked about this many times. The Bible says even the, even the demons believe. But they don't follow. They believe that he is the son of God. They know very well he is. But they are not followers. Jesus comes to us in this captivity. And he says to us so clearly, come and follow me out of this kingdom into my kingdom. I want you to look back on the scripture we just read in Matthew. Um, let, me, let me think, because right above that, let's go to, uh, maybe it's Mark. Let's look at Mark's 10, page 1165. No, that's not the one I want you to look at. That's okay. Hold on to just a minute. Because I just read this, and I just want to go back to it. 
let's let me look at this Mark 9 I mean Matthew 9 let me check that one for you Matthew 4 Matthew four seventeen. So we read 18 just a minute ago. It's on page 11, 14. We read just a minute ago of where he was calling Andrew and Peter to come and to follow him. We started reading in verse 18, but I want you to look at verse 17. So Jesus, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he comes to these people and asking them to follow him. He's saying, You will need to repent and follow me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's yours today. You can have this place. But you can't have it by being good. You can't have it by following the laws. You can't do it. You can't get out of captivity by your own works, by all the things that you feel like you're doing that are right. You have to come and repent. But it's even more than repent. Jesus comes to the next verse there and he says to Andrew and to Simon Peter and he says, follow me in verse 19. We have to find repentance. We have to recognize where we are. But we have to choose to follow him out of captivity. Turn with me to Mark 10. It's on uh, maybe, uh, maybe 1165. Yes. It says here in verse 21, um, Jesus looking at him and lovingly saying, One thing you lack, go your way and sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come, take up your cross, and follow me. This place of seeing where you are, seeing what was important to you, seeing what is keeping you from this place. Now turn back a page to Mark 8, 34. It's on page 1162. 
in verse 34, it says, And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So he's, he sees us in this place of captivity, and he says you're in this place bound up by the enemy, and you, you want out. It says you have to come after me, but it also says you have to deny yourself the things that you're holding on to, the things that are important to you, the things that are your desires. I was making just a list of things of, that hold us in captivity that oftentimes are things we're not willing to nail to the cross. We're not willing to deny ourselves. Some things I thought about were unforgiveness. I see so many people that are held in captivity and they don't even realize it. But they're in the enemy's camp because they're in unforgiveness. Because they haven't chosen to deny that that their flesh wants to do to follow Jesus. Anger. Good people. But when something happens, anger just flies all over them because they have a place of anger and they are held in the enemy's camp. And they're not willing for Jesus to heal that place, to take them out, to lead them into freedom. Bitterness. Unbelief. Unbelief in who God really is is and what he will do in your life. Control, your own control. People stay over here just because they don't want to give up their own doing, their own control, their own ways, their own desires. They don't want to deny that. And yet they're good people. So they're good people over here. In the enemy's camp is what I want you to hear. But Jesus says right here, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself everything you want, everything that's important to you, everything that you're holding on to, Everything that holds you captive and you don't even know it. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross. What that means is these things that are not important to God, 
but are important to you, you got to nail them to the cross. Bitterness, nail to the cross. Unforgiveness, nail to the cross. My job, anger, control. I have to be willing to crucify that. Then it says, once you've denied yourself, take up your cross, nail it to the cross, then it says, and follow me. And follow me out of captivity into another kingdom. has eternal life. That eternal life begins the day you choose to follow him. You can begin to walk into that kingdom. It's not just when you die. Eternal life means life that goes on and on. But your life, Jesus says, I came to give you life and life abundantly. So I see people held in captivity wondering why they don't have an abundant life. It's because they're held in captivity. The abundant life is over here in this kingdom. I've said this many times, the greatest disservice that I believe churches have promoted is that you need to be a believer. To just believe, to say a prayer, to make a declaration, that is not taught in the Bible in any place. What Jesus taught was to come, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The kingdom is at hand. So I see this message today as Jesus was calling his disciples and he turns to Simon and Andrew and the, or to Andrew and the other disciple. I think it was probably John, but it doesn't really tell us right there. And he says, "Who do you seek? Who do you seek? Who they were seeking was the prophet that would bring them out of captivity. The Messiah, the anointed one. The one that had the power and the authority, the Son of God, the King of Israel. So I wonder who you came here today to seek. Because just as today, just as every day, it requires. It requires more than just knowing him. It requires more than just praying to him. 
It requires more than just repentance. It requires denying yourself. Taking up your cross that you can nail yourself to that cross and following him. This is the message of Jesus that brings you into eternal life. If you're here today and you recognize that this is not where your life is and that you're held in captivity by any of the enemy's tricks and schemes and ways, you're deceived to believe that you're okay. But if you're here today and want out of that captivity, Jesus is here calling you today in love to follow him. Our elders would love to pray with you if this is a place that you are ready to walk out of that captivity and into freedom. We would love to join you in that place. Thank you. Yeah.
It's all sinking sand for you, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you are our only hope, you are our strength, our peace, our life. But when 